What's going on, everybody? Welcome to My Social Life. This is the podcast where we sit down and talk to influencers about how they grew their following and what they did to monetize their social media. My guest today is Mathieu Doré. And Matt is a ultra marathon runner. And an ultra marathon is a race longer than your average marathon. So he's ran 100 mile races. His longest race was 240 kilometers. And he runs that as an individual. It's not a relay where like five people team up to break it into pieces. He's ran 240 kilometers on his own. That is just a true test of endurance and mental fortitude. And it's something that I just, I can't even wrap my head around. And on top of that, Matt is also a fitness coach and he has 13,000 Instagram followers. And in this podcast, we get into a lot. Matt has some crazy stories from being an ultra marathon runner. We also talk about the work he's done with Nike and he's got some stuff coming up with Lululemon. There's just a ton of good stuff. We talk about how he grew his social media to over 13,000 followers because it's not an accident. He made a change in his posting and everything to get there. So I don't want to waste any more time. Let's just get right into it. Welcome back, everybody, to My Social Life. This is the podcast where we talk to people that are absolutely killing it on social media, and we learn how they did it and what they do. And my guest today is, is Matthew or Matthew, actually? I haven't actually asked it's you. Which do you prefer? Matthew, Matthew? But Matt works or Maddie or, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. So my guest today is Matthew Dore, and I'm going to let you kind of tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. Um, right now, basically, yeah, I'm, I'm a coach, uh, basically a running coach. I'm a strength conditioning coach for mostly endurance athletes. So anyone that runs, you know, from, I would say 10 K and above, you know, some ultra runners. I also train some cyclists. Um, and I'm pretty much, you know, I love the adventures as well. So I run myself quite a bit. So I'm an ultra marathon runner. I do adventure race. So I'm always basically outdoor enjoying the outdoors so and for people that don't know so what like separates an ultra marathon from just a marathon yeah so basically a marathon is 42.2 k kilometers or 26.2 miles Um, and anything above that is an ultra marathon so it could be a 50 k i've done a race that was 240 kilometers so you know it's anything above the marathon it's called an ultra marathon yeah. Okay. So, like, how did you you get into running? Because you didn't start as a runner, right? No, exactly. So, I was basically an ice hockey player, probably like most kids that grew up in Canada. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, grew up on skate. That was my main sport. Um, running was just a type of form to keep me in shape yeah. during summertime, and um, then after that. It was in high school. In high school, I we'd done track and field, um, and I wasn't bad at running, I found. So that's where I got into it a little bit more seriously. But I, it's just something I would compete like two months, you know, where we had our track and field season. Um, and then it's after in uni, uh, university, my last year, I've quit hockey because I knew I was not going to make the, the NHL. Yeah. Uh, so I took running a little bit seriously and I've done the um, cross country season with University of Ottawa and the indoor track and it kind of blew up from there basically. Yeah. So yeah. you did, so you really like on the team at U Ottawa then? Yeah. 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 And then. What was like the distance for that? Was it like a 10K? Or? Yeah, so the cross country season, it was races that were anything in between 5 and 10K. 
Um, and then the indoor track, I would compete in anything in between 800 meter to 3000 meter. Um, so that was on a 400 meter track where sometimes some, some races were on the 200 meter track. Um, so it was fun. It was just a little different. I, I'm very competitive. So after ice hockey, I just needed something to be, you know, to get that competitive edge off me. So yeah, so that was a great way of, of doing it. Yeah. So when did you start to get into the ultra marathons and kind of really ramp up the distance? Yeah. So for me, after a while, like all the speed stuff because ice hockey is very explosive right and you know it's 45 seconds 60 seconds you know all out and then that's why running was the same thing it was like basically cross country wasn't too bad because it was you know a 30 something minute effort but i really enjoy the easy runs like i really enjoy just going out there you know for a long time exploring different areas so that's where after university um, that's in 2010, I signed up for my first half marathon. Um, and that was the winter man. Yeah, it was middle of winter here in Ottawa, Canada. It was probably like minus 25. And that was my first half marathon. I'm like, you know what? Different challenge. And you know, also I trained a little bit for that race and, you know, I've done quite well. So I was like, man, I'm not that bad at that. And I was really enjoying the, the change of pace in terms of training, you know, like to put in some easy mile instead of always going hard, hard, hard for a short period of time. So that year, 2000, then I, I did my first half. Then I went to trail running. I did a 21K trail race in New York State in Bear Mountain. Then I did a 35K a few months after that in Mont Tremblant um, trail race. And then I ran my first marathon in Montreal in september 2010 so that was kind of like my introduction to endurance running i guess and then it's just kind of like i think it was december that year i've met someone she was doing a 200 mile race and i'm like what in vermont so and she's like matt you should try and do the 100 mile race so that's 160 kilometers in the mountains and I'm like, well, if you can do 200 miles, for sure I can do 100 miles, you know? So, what the heck? I signed up, and that was in May 2011, and basically trained so hard. Like, I was running 160 to 180 Ks a week, you know, doing strength training twice a week, doing yoga twice a week, and uh, yeah, I've done that race and came third, and I'm like, Wow. So that was my introduction to ultra running. I went from a marathon, you know, to 100 miles. So basically 42K to 160K. So that was that was me, my first ultra marathon. I would not recommend it, that big of a jump to anyone <laughs> and to any of my athletes. But I was clueless. I was young. I had no guidance. And I just wanted a different challenge. And I, I enjoyed it. I think the fact that you went from, like, you kind of just jumped into such a long long race yep and then you still came third is is impressive just kind of like yeah that's kind of just telling where you kind of like after you finish that race you're kind of like maybe i should do more of these exactly and that's exactly and that's what happened like in the next you know that's basically what i've done for the last six seven years now um yeah trail running uh basically exploring different areas and you know i've been to europe i've been everywhere in the united states i've been west canada you know australia and 
Yeah, that's my passion now. It's just a way to explore different trails, different areas. Like you explore in one day that basically most people would take, you know, three to four days. But we do that race, you know, usually, yeah, in a few hours during the day. So it's a beautiful way to see different side of the world. So how long does it take to do, like, just say, for example, a 100-mile race? Yeah, that one, so it all depends on how technical the, the trail is or how hilly it is. So that one took me 24 hours. So, yeah, it was 160Ks, and we climbed about 8,000 meter, which is all, almost Mount Everest, you know, going up and down, up and down. So it accumulates to about 8,000 meters of up and down. Um, so 24 hours that one my longest one was 27 hours non-stop so that was the 240k i did in 2013 from the ocean uh, in australia so the yeah. coast of new south Wales to mount kosciuszko so highest peak in australia so that was a non-stop race basically running you know as fast as you can from the sea to the highest point in australia yeah yeah. So like you say non-stop, you mean like you don't stop to take a nap or anything at all? Like so it's... it all depends how it goes. You try not to stop. So my first 100 mile, that one in Vermont, after 100K, I was freaking done. Like I yeah. had to lay down, you know, in the grass for about two, three hours and nap because I was puking. You know, I don't know, like my stomach was all wrong. So I rested for two, three hours and then got up, was able to put a little bit of food in me and then kept going and, you know, trying to smash that last 60K. Then the 240K race that I did, everything went pretty well. Like I only sat down twice and it was to put long pants on because we started, it was hot on the ocean. And then we got to, you know, you get to around 1800 meters of altitude and there was snow. So it was getting cold. So I had to put some tights on to keep me warm. And I sat down another time just to, I had, at that point I had 15K to go. And that one too, I was fighting for third place. So I was fighting for podium and basically the, the fourth place was catching up and I was slowing down and nothing was going and I just needed to sit down relax put my head down for like 45 seconds and then I sit down on the rock and then got up again then I was I managed to kind of like kick it into gear and get back in the game basically so when you're doing like do you have to bring like a, a backpack or anything like with like water and food or like yeah so every race are different like some are self-supported some some yeah you have to bring you know all your stuff for the race uh, most of them now they're you can have a crew that meets you at certain checkpoints along the way um so th that's awesome so and even some of them you're allowed pacers you know, so some of them, it's like, okay, you can run, you'll run 100K on your own. And then the last 60K, you're allowed someone to come and run with you, you know, so they can help you out, you know, to pace yourself and, you know, with fluid, remember to take some food, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there's always, depending where you race, there's always mandatory gear. So stuff you need to carry in case you get injured, you can survive there until someone comes and gets you because most of those rates race were in remote areas right so you know it's kind of like waterproof jacket space blanket you know enough food so you know if they send help you can survive there for a day right before like the rescue team come and get you 
Yeah. You've never had to be rescued or anything, though? Like, you've never been in that situation? No, 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 no. I've been pretty lucky. I've been pretty lucky. Like, I had some, you know, some issues, but never to a point I needed to get rescue. Yeah. So. That's fair. And then so after, I heard you on a different podcast. Yep. And it was, so after your first one, you kind of worked your way up to, I think you call it like the Boston Marathon of yeah. Ultra Marathons. It was in Chamonix, right? Yeah, exactly. So when I started ultra running, like, uh, Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, which is UTMB. So that's kind of like, yeah, that's the Boston Marathon of ultra running. It's it's basically the ultra marathon everyone wants to do. And so when I started ultra running, um, I just pick point races where you need to get you know qualifiers. So I'd done enough race and I've done well enough in those race that I got enough points. And then you get into a lottery. And then first time I applied, I got in. So it was freaking sweet. So yeah, I got the chance. That was in 2013. I got the chance to go race in, in Chamonix in France, which was unbelievable. Beautiful experience. Um, it's along the Alps there. You basically run through three different countries. You start in France. You go through Italy, Switzerland. Then you come back to France. So do you need to bring a passport on the race? No, no. no. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. But no, I guess European countries works a little differently. But from what I remember, I didn't have my passport on me. So, yeah. How'd the race go? Like, how'd you place? Did you do well at it? So or? that race, um, so man, it was a bad luck. My One of my best buddy came and crew me. So he's... He's uh he's been through a lot of stuff. He's a cancer survivor and he basically I wanted him on my corner for that big big race cuz he's an inspiration for me um because he's basically a walking miracle and um basically 24 hours before the race um he got hospitalized. So he had some big um seizures. Yeah, so basically I was in the ambulance with him and in the hospital with him 24 hours before my race. And we thought, because he had brain tumors and all that kind of stuff, but that was like two, three years ago. But we thought, man, they might be coming back. So, but there's no way he wouldn't let me race. So what happened? I spent the whole night at the hospital um, because basically we weren't allowed to stay at the hospital. But then... I ran to the closest town trying to find an hotel because it was basically 90 minutes from our uh, previous hotel in Chamonix. So, man, so everything was booked. So I ran back to the hotel, slept on the, the floor, you know, at his, uh, uh, not the hotel, at the, the hospital. <laughs> slept on the floor there until like a nurse was like, man, you can't stay here. I'm like, well, I got nowhere to go. I can't get a cab. So finally they found a cab for me. Went back to my hotel, then came back to the hospital because the race starts at 4 p.m. Um, so basically 24 hours after he got hospitalized. And then, um, yeah, my buddy was like, Matt, like, you got to go race. Like, I'll be fine. You know, I'll be in the hospital for the next couple of days. So just come back after your race. So um, what I, I did, my girlfriend at the time stayed with my buddy there. And then I went uh, and start the race, but only raced half of it. So I did 78 kilometers uh, to Colmoyard and then took a bus back to the hospital. So that was my experience. That's 
It's crazy. But it's it's crazy, but at that point, like the race didn't matter anymore because yeah, like it was my best best buddy in the hospital. Like I wanted to be there, but he would not let me because he knew how hard I worked for that race. Um, so you know, I respected his is you know what he wanted me to do, and yeah, I went to race, and then just yeah, after I ran through the night because you start at four p.m. I basically ran till. 3 a.m. took the bus and came back. Yeah, that, that's why. <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy, eh? As you touched on something, I kind of want to unpack a little bit. You said he's an inspiration to you. Yep. So is that was, and you also referenced he had like brain tumors at one point. So are those, yeah, is that part of the reason why? Or? Well, because basically, um, this guy, uh, my buddy Luke, he, I met him. I used to work at Greco. That was like years ago, like oh, maybe eight, nine years ago. And I met him, he was like skin and bones, like 110 pounds, you know, like no hair, like no, nothing, nothing on the guy. And I basically had the task to train him three times a week and like, you know, regain confidence, you know, regain some muscles. So I trained him for about six months, three times a week. So like we created a good bond because for him it was, you know, not a matter of, you know, building muscle mass again but building like confidence again because he could barely like you know he would sit down on a chair and could barely stand up right so after six months we made some massive progress like we would go for lunch all the time and i would try to motivate him and you know but in return he was like my biggest motivator because like he basically started with nothing because he had uh testicular uh, cancer then it spread to his dad the man then he had basically four or five brain surgery because he had three brain tumors so like cancer all over the place but he somehow beat the odds and survived and i just met him like after all that shit he's been through yeah right so and then um after six months he basically got you know seizures uh, again, so that's where that's so, yeah. So after that six month, he got seizures again, and then he got like a few, you know, he was in the hospital for another three months, and then again, I, you know, we I trained him again, and then two years after, that's when we went to Chamonix and he got some more seizures, but he was all fine. It was just because of dehydration, scar tissue in his brain. Um, high altitude, he got those seizures. But it was pretty scary at the time because that's we thought like his seizures were, yeah, no you know, a sign of his brain tumors coming back. So yeah. that's why, like, yeah, with all the brain tumors and all that, basically their doctors said that, you know, this guy, Luke, he's a walking miracle. So he's always been a great inspiration to me because he's a business owner, you know, he's very successful. Um, so, yeah. Did he ever run with you or? Um, he's not much of a runner. No. And because like all the stuff he's been through, yeah. like his hips are a little bit, you know, um, yeah, running is, but yeah, we would do strength training together, you know, like we grab beers all the time together, you know, he's just, yeah, we just became best buds basically. Yeah. Um, and he just taught me to see life a little bit differently because, you know, he was, he was, a young kid, like, you know, a young guy in his 20s, basically, uh, living the dream, living life, you know, and all of a sudden, bam, you yeah. know, he got struck by cancer, you know. So it just kind of like showed me, man, you got to live day by day, enjoy 
the most of every moment. So yeah. that's what I appreciate about this guy because yeah, the attitude he has. His perspective is probably like on life. Is, yeah, you said it's just definitely completely different from anyone else. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so yeah, that's my buddy Luke, and yeah, uh, yeah that's why. So one day I'll go back to UTMB. You know, it's I got unfinished business, but I never. Never ever regret, you know, what happened there because for me, yeah, race is important, but you know, a good buddy is is more important than anything else. So yeah, yeah. So is that race like something you're going towards like soon? You think? Or? Um, yeah, like you know, it's, it depends what happens in life, but definitely like in the next five years, I'd love to to do it again. Yeah. Definitely, because yeah, it's such a beautiful, beautiful place. The atmosphere that week is is phenomenal. You know, it's kind of like the pinnacle of trail running and ultra running. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'll be back sooner than later. Back to the the first the U, UTMB. Yep. Yeah. So was it shortly after there that you moved to Australia? Yeah. So wow. Yeah, that was a big year. So I did UTMB that year. And then because like I was so well trained for that race, but I didn't have, I didn't get to race at my potential. Um, and then I met a girl in a race in Dead Valley, California a few months before that. So, and she was from Australia. So I was like, well, you know what? Might as well do a race in Australia. And we find that race and that was the coast to Kazi. So that, that oh, was yeah. the 240K race that I've done basically three months after UTMB. Um, I've done that race um, and came in third, so everything went so well. Stayed there for about a week. It was a very quick trip. Um, But my dad at the time was very unwell, so he was going through some cancer treatment. So I told my, my ex now, Australian girlfriend, that I wasn't able to stay in Australia. So she came back with me. And we stayed in Canada for a few months until my dad got the all clear yeah. from his cancer. So, yeah, he was an animal going through his, his cancer treatment. You know, he'd done really, really well. And then once he had the all clear, we moved to Australia. And I was there for almost four years, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And just one thing. you So you said it was three months between UTMB and then the Costa Kazi? Yep. What's the usual like turnover time between runs? Like how like what's the rest and recovery like? Yeah, like I mean everyone's different. I wouldn't recommend like if yeah, usually I'll do maybe two big ultras a year. Anything over a hundred kilometers, maybe you can pull out two good ones. But there's some like very unique human beings out there. They back it up like every couple months. It's insane. But what I've seen, you know, by experience is they're able to do that probably for two years and then their body will probably break down at some point and then be off for a year. You yeah. know what I mean? But if you want to stay healthy, stay injury free, uh, you know, not get, you know, general fatigue or adrenal gland fatigue or whatever. Um, usually, you know, if you have two a year, it's pretty respectable. And I've learned that the hard way. Like the first two years I was in ultra running, I've just raced so much, so hard and I've had some good results, but then for a year, I was like total riot off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, so what's the week like right after a race? Like, like you oh. run like 100K and then the next week. Yeah, it's basically 
Yeah, it's recovery mode. So you do whatever you want. Basically, you eat whatever you want. You you know, you drink whatever you want. So it's it's the beauty about it. And I'm someone that's all about balance. You know, there's there's a lot of ultra runners that, you know, are are very I would say a lot healthier than me on their food choice and, you know, their their ways, then I'm all about balance. I'm always like if I train hard, and I was so good for a few months. You know what? The week after, I'll have a few beers. I'll have a few scotch with my brothers or friends. You know, I'll eat pizza as much as I want. Like, I don't really care. I just want calories, right? And I'll just make sure to rest, you know, sleep a whole lot. Because that's that's your number one recovery tool. Mm-hmm. So basically, and then I'll move. You know, I'll still go for walks or easy jogs or maybe get on my bike, do some cross training, maybe paddle. Um, but yeah, most of the time you don't really feel like running, you know, for a week, you want to do different things because you've been running so much in preparation. So it's a good way to, you know, maybe go for a walk, you know, with mom or, you know, go paddle with your, your buddy, do different things, basically reconnect with people you haven't been connecting with because you've been so focused in your training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so back, sorry, back Australia, I keep getting yep. sidetracked. Like, yeah, it's just so interesting to me, but so you, to kind of just move to Australia, did you have a plan when you move? Do yeah. I- well, I was sponsored by my ex-girlfriend, so I had no plan. The only person I knew was my ex-girlfriend. So it was scary, you know, because yeah, I was like, okay, I'm moving to a whole different country. I only know one person and I got to build a life here. So we were lucky. We, were, we stayed in a beautiful national park just outside of Melbourne. Okay. Um, so I took a job basically as a personal trainer in a gym just outside of Melbourne, trained a few clients there. And, but yeah, I wasn't really happy because like, I was working for myself here, you know, mm-hmm. and I had a full clientele. I was a coach here as well. Um, but then there I was working for somebody else, but I knew I had no choice somehow because no one knew me. Like if I started my own business, well, how can I get some clientele if no one knows me? Right. Um, so my game plan, what I did, I just trained super hard when I moved there and I try to get involved as much as I can in the running community. So I would go run with different groups, go train with different groups and do a lot of local races in there. And then people started to get to know me, basically. And my ex was pretty big in the running world there. So that helped me quite a bit. Um, so then I built basically after a year or so, not even six months, I built a reputation for myself and started a business. I opened my own studio there as a strength conditioning coach. Um, and yeah, in basically three to four months, I almost had a full schedule. So yeah, it was a big risk, but it worked. Yeah. yeah. And so your, your company was called The Garage, right? Yeah, that's it. And you built it like literally like right out of the garage in your yeah. house? Yeah, exactly it. Exactly. And at first I'm like, oh, that's a risk because I was 40 minute drive from the city, you know, like it's kind of like... You know, if if you're in Ottawa, it's kind of like the old the Wakefield, pretty much, you know, of Ottawa. So it's really outside. So I didn't know if I was going to get some clientele. But yeah, like it went super well, super well. So yeah, it was called The Garage. And then on top of that, one of my athletes was like, Matt, I heard like Nike are looking for a coach to run this eight-week program. And I was like, huh. 
I'm like, okay. Like, he's like, just send your resume and see what happens. I'm like, okay. So, and that's what I did. I sent my resume. It was to, um, because Nike Australia used to work with a event management company. And so I got, basically, I sent my resume and they hired me for that eight-week program. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm doing some work with Nike now. Like, after a few interviews, I got the job. I'm like, whoa. So it was pretty unreal. And um, basically, I think it was like two to four weeks into my eight-week contract, uh, Nike Australia was like, Matt, like, are you interested to go do a photo shoot for Nike Global in the United States? I'm like, yeah. It's like, well, actually, like, you'll have to leave in like three to four days. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. So I kind of made it work. So I was working for myself. You know, all my athletes were kind of under, understandable. I'm like, yo, I got this gig with, you know, I'll probably be gone for two weeks. So, yeah, I went on a crazy trip. And um, yeah, I went to Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah. I shoot there. We did kind of like a little commercial, whatever, for Nike. Then we did some shooting in Mexico City. Then I went to a coaching summit in New York City. I'm like, wow. And then that's kind of like how it started with Nike, basically. So it was pretty sweet. Yeah. So I had, that was actually perfect because that was the next point I was going to bring yes. up. What it was called? So it was called like Nike Run Club was the initial thing, yeah. right? So yeah. how did like that work? It was like every, it started at six thirty four. It was a you guys just met and ran. Yeah. So yeah, it's they had this thing because uh, Coach Bowerman was like very very famous coach uh, for Nike. Oh, that was years and years ago, and he would always start his session at like oh four or twenty four or because it, it just kind of stick you know, in your mind a little bit more. So we did the same thing with Nike Run Club. And that was a run club that was run like in the biggest city in the world, all around the world. Like basically when I went to New York City, we were 80 coaches from around the world, like Japan, China, um, France, uh, everywhere. And you can think about Brazil, like they had a coach from everywhere. We were three from Australia that was sent there. Uh, two, two from Australia, one from New Zealand. And uh, it was unbelievable because we got to connect with like different coaches from around the world for a whole week, you know. So I kind of had that contract. So after that eight week, they signed me for a year contract and they signed me for another year. And then before I left, I was I was signed for my third year, basically. So it was it was an amazing experience, amazing experience to work for such such a cool company uh, you know, probably one of the biggest in the running game. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And so I know I like kind of, cause I looked through your Instagram and some, I uh, saw some of the old run club stuff. Yep. There were some pretty like relatively like famous people, at least in Australia that went to these, right? Cause I think there was someone in one of the pictures that like 200,000 or ever followers on Instagram. Like, yeah. Yeah. We always like, and that's the thing. Like I remember we used to do those media piece with a lot of like celebrities, you know, they would come to the Nike Run Club or I would do a personal session with them and, uh, you know, on the track. But I didn't really know the celebrities in Australia because I was Canadian. So yeah. every time I'm like, I would tell my ex-girlfriend, I'm like, hey, I'm going to do like a running session with, you know, this guy. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
He's like, do you know who that person is? I'm like, no clue. He's like, yo, it's like most famous. I'm like, wow, really? So yeah, I got the chance to work with some pretty cool people and some pretty big celebrities in Australia, which was which was amazing. But to me, like, I would treat them like they loved it because I would go like on a running session with them and we were like buddies, you know, because yeah, it wasn't really Star Trek because I didn't really know who they were before I get the brief, you know, probably, you know, the day before the session. Yeah. Yeah. So was that, was that like through Nike you had those clients or is that just at, with the garage? That was true Nike. Nike, okay. Yeah, so that was true Nike. Uh, the garage I had like more kind of like I would say your weekend warriors and, um, you know, I've trained some some very elite athletes as well. Um, but yeah, all kind of like your celebrities, uh, were basically true Nike, I would say. Yeah. Do you have any, yeah. I think I saw some of our rugby players. Yeah. 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 I've trained a few rugby players as well, yeah. uh, which was fun, which was fun, which actually, yeah. Nick, Nick, the rugby player, he was my first, uh, athlete at the garage. Yeah. So he was my main, main, you know, first athlete and he basically trained with me until I left Australia. So it was pretty cool. Do you have any AFL players? No, no, I didn't have any no. AFL. Yeah, no, maybe if I would have been more in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was mostly I had, yeah, a f- couple rugbies and then mostly runners, you know, mountain bike, uh, triathletes. Uh, so it was more like I would specialize more in the endurance athlete in what I've done in Australia yeah. because of my title, because of what I've done as well as an athlete. So, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of you as an athlete, I think I saw somewhere you were like the seventh ranked ultramarathoner in australia at one point yeah so that race well the coast to race that i've done i think to this day or you know i might be wrong but i think i still have the seven best time of all time and that's that's a pretty significant uh race because first of all you need to qualify for that race so you need to do a few race to you know even just send your application and then they got usually a panel of people that pick 50 50 runners um so yeah that year i got in and um i came in third but basically you know any other year beside a couple years i would have won it with the time i've done so and still to today i think it's the seven to eight best time of all time uh on that course uh which is a 240k race yeah so yeah that was and then yeah i had a few good years in australia i was able to you know rack racked a few wins and and a few course record as well um so yeah it was fun it was really really fun but i had the perfect training ground like i basically lived in the hills Yeah. yeah so it was it was unbelievable and is there so is there like a world ranking or anything like a world championship or like utb or utmb be like the yeah well it depends like the thing is because ultra running is getting more and more popular there there is um so i would say like in australia they have the sky running championship and sky running is a kind of like a world series uh but sky running is probably the most rugged alias technical races around the world and they have you know a few around the world and in australia it's called the buffalo stampede and I've done that one last year, actually. And it was the basically Oceania uh, Championship. So Australia and New Zealand. Um, and I did the ultra there. It was 75 kilometers. And we climbed and descent about, I think it was 4,500 meters. 
and uh, came third overall. So that was that was pretty big for me uh, because you get to really compete against the best, um, you know, because it's a it's kind of like the national championship, you know. So I was I was pretty pumped for that. Um, I I didn't really travel to Europe after your UTMB to to go race because that's basically where they have like the biggest ultra marathons and also the states have some big ones but it's it was very far from Australia so I base I did more you know local races uh, when I was there yeah yeah and then it was like September 2017 and that you moved back to Canada right around yep. that time yep. I think yep that's that's it yeah that's it yeah and then. So you said like your your Nike deal was kind of did it, and then or did you still do work with them once you came back? Yeah, so because I was signed with Nike Australia, um, that was the tricky part. So I basically ended my contract with them when I knew I was coming back, um, which was too bad because we had a great great relationship, great relationship that you know lasted for three years. Um, so when I came back. Um, no, because, uh, you know, the work I was doing there is more, more groundwork, right? So, you know, I stayed in touch with, they put me in touch with Nike Canada. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, their Nike run club or, you know, their main hub, uh, for Nike running is Toronto, you know, and I knew I was going to base myself in Ottawa. So it just didn't kind of work out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like the end of, uh, my my nike gig you yeah. know yeah so that's fair but i'm sure you got like a bunch of like merch and gear and stuff through it oh it was unbelievable it was yeah for me it was so weird because i'm from a small town you know probably not even a thousand people you know farming town like 60ks from ottawa and to be working for nike and you know traveling the world uh, for such a big company, it was like unreal, you know. And they would like I was not allowed to wear anything else or post anything else. Like it was in my contract, but you know they would give me enough gear so I didn't have to wear anything else, right? So it was unbelievable, unbelievable, yeah. Um, but you know that was cool. But it was more the opportunity it gave me as a coach, uh, as an athlete as well, and also to work within the Australian running community it was so cool yeah so what, yeah. what was that moment where you kind of stopped and you're like whoa like look where i am right now was that like the salt flats the photo shoot or oh I, yeah like that was unreal because that was basically like two to four weeks into my contract i yeah. just couldn't believe it i'm like oh my god you know like it was just being in the right place at the right time you know and you know i'm not the most educated or smartest coach in the world but i don't know i got the job i click with the right people and that's what i always say as a coach you know most of it you know it's not all about knowledge you know it's a lot has to do with personality and you know how you approach people and so yeah it all kind of it all worked out which was sweet yeah Yeah. and so then when you came back even though your contract kind of ended you were able to like kind of jumpstart your like coaching yeah, gig. like you had, I think I saw somewhere like ten or like eleven clients before you even. Yeah, landed. so when I when I knew I was coming back, I kind of like just over the power of social media, right? So I, all my social media, I'm like, hey, I'm coming back. I'm gonna be working at as this little studio my buddy owns. Um, you know, if you want to train with me, those are my hours. Let me know. You know, so I, I say I'm taking twelve clients, and yeah, basically before I touched down in Canada. I pretty much fill up my spots, 
which was unreal. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I haven't been in Ottawa for four years, but power of social media, like people I didn't even know they were still following my journey while I was in Australia, you know, but they were in Ottawa. Like when I came back, it's like, yo, you're coming back. I want to train with you. Yeah. So it was, it was so cool. Yeah. Um, but because I thought I was going back to Australia, I just did like kind of like a three months thing um because i thought i was gonna go back in january but my my visas didn't work out um so that's why basically i'm still here yeah um because before i came back i met you know another lovely girl um so that's why i'm like i'm gonna come back visit my family and then go back to australia but uh visa wise i wasn't able to i'm not able to go back this year yeah um so that's when i kind of like ramped up my business was this year in kind of like february when i knew i was not gonna go back to australia mm-hmm. yeah yeah so now it's just like that's your full time it's just training and yeah so now i basically train oh i do about 21 on one session um with some athletes there i would say about 90 percent of them are runners you know trying to run their their fastest marathon or ultra marathon or you know a quicker half marathon or their first marathon um and then i got an online business as well um that i train about uh right now 10 15 athletes online so from all over the world i got some still from australia the united states um and then i try to do some work with the community so because for me nike didn't quite work um here in canada now i'm working closely with lululemon oh that's awesome because they're very involved in or they're trying to be more involved in running community in ottawa so i'm like amazing yeah. let's work together yeah. yeah so like what do you what do you do with lulu then so right now well i'm i'm not sure if i'm supposed to say that well, right you, now you don't but want to like, you don't no, have no, no, to. no but because they're gonna make me a run ambassador in ottawa first of august so okay. in a couple of weeks so i can hold this and then once this <laughs> after august first i'll put it out so um, i'm actually having like the final meeting on wednesday uh, in a couple of days so basically it's just to try and ramp up and do cool stuff for the running community in ottawa so for example during the um you know ottawa race weekend here in ottawa we've done you know a shakeout run and then i just had to do like uh you know a little spill you know race visualization after the the 5k shakeout run and we also organized an, an event for uh running global day they're like matt uh so myself and the other um running ambassador kayla we were like okay like guys we got this amount of money like we want to do a cool shit event of running but not your regular like kind of like boring we want to do epic stuff i'm like okay so we we came came up with that idea um so we ran from beyond the pal so it's brewery like kind of like industrial area and it was teams of four it was kind of like a mile relay so we designed this loop it was like you had to go upstairs you know cross the road but there was no rules you know like if you want to burn the lights burn the lights whatever and you know everyone it was free to sign up we only accepted 100 runners we started at the brewery so it was a big relay um there was 20 teams 20 teams of five yeah that makes sense 20 teams of four 25 teams of four yeah and um yeah everyone in their their race pack they had two tickets for two pints one tickets for a shot so 
Because you didn't know who was going to be on your team. It was all random. Okay. So it, that way you get to meet people, yeah. right? So, you know, you just had a number and it was cards. So you had to find, you had half an hour to go find. And then once you find all your team, you had to go at the bar and take a Jameson or Jagermeister shot. Yeah. So, you know, it's just it was just kind of like different and yeah. get to meet different people from the running community in Ottawa. And then after that, we just stayed at the brewery and drank some beers and ate some food. And it was like amazing. So kind of like stuff like that, you know, like just, you know, to bring the running community together. Yeah. basically so now yeah. you're a run ambassador is your wardrobe going to kind of transition from nike to Lulu yeah <laughs> that might happen <laughs> yeah that might happen probably not the running shoes yeah uh because from my knowledge i think lululemon does start to do running shoes but yeah like running shoes are touchy so yeah. i'm probably still gonna run in nikes but yeah it might turn into a little bit more lululemon that's yeah. for sure any pictures just above the ankle and you're good, right? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly <laughs> but it's it's great clothes you know yeah. it's oh, a canadian yeah. brand as well so and the people here in ottawa they're doing great stuff for the running community so i'm, I'm pretty pumped i'm really really pumped to be working with them how do, how do they find you like how did that connect with that through social media that's a great question so how did that happen so yeah i guess social media did kind of had an impact on that and it kind of happened that I trained, yeah, I trained Alex, which he was the husband of one of the Lululemon location. He was the, her wife was the general manager at one of the location. Yeah. Yeah. And then they kind of put me in touch and then they looked me up, of course, on social media. And they were like, hey, who's that guy? You know, (laughs) basically, where does he come from? Um, so yeah, that's kind of like how it happens. Just again, being in the right place at the right time. And again, like, I think my social media had a great, you know, vibe to it and all yeah. that. Cause without meeting me, they just kind of like went to my social and then we went for a meeting and then it's kind of like exploded from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're sitting at like what, over 13,000 now on Instagram. Yeah. 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 Just over 13,000 right now. Yeah. So it's yeah. awesome. so like how, what did you do to grow it then? Like. Yeah, so a few things. Like I last year, I've put a little bit more focus on it. I would say, um, so that was like I was always on it. You know, like putting a post basically a day. Um, for me, that's kind of like how it worked. Um, but it seems it seems kind of like easy to put a post today but it's not like for me it was strategic like certainly when i started my business and all that like it was like okay tuesday i'll do more of a coaching post and then next day i'll do more of a running post and then next day i'll do more of a you know life post so it was very strategic the way i've done it um and then you kind of find out as you grow like what your followers are more attracted to yeah you know and for me like i think anytime i put a running post or a picture of me running that's where i'll have the most likes yeah you know but then you know if i put me coaching i won't have that much like i'm like huh okay yeah so it's kind of like you kind of learn as you go what kind of caps your audience more and more yeah right so for me yeah it was consistency was one of the big thing um you know i would spend basically an hour on in a day 
yeah. you know, just kind of like researching, you know, similar people and uh, doing a post, you know, which sometimes just to write a post would take me half an hour or so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, stuff like that. So consistency last year, that's where I gained most of my followers were was kind of like my, yeah, was kind of like my main thing. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're writing your, your caption stuff, do you use like hashtags at all or anything? Or? Yeah, ash- absolutely. I did use hashtags. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Because yeah. yet, like, I don't consider myself a, a professional, you know, yeah. in terms of social media. But for me, it was just to keep things raw, you know, yeah. and... You know, if it was a, already of a long post, you know, I wouldn't put like 10 hashtag at the bottom. I would just leave it, yeah. you know. Uh, but if it was a short post like, hey, running in the mountains, yeah. you know, then I would put a few hashtags. So it would all depends, yeah. I guess. Um, so, and yeah, like one thing I've done, I've organized a few photo shoots as well. Yeah. Um, so I would, or I had one of my good buddy, Lyndon Marceau, he's a phenomenal photographer. And I would organize like a photo shoot in my gym or a photo shoot me running and, you know, in the outdoors and just trying to get as many pictures as I can and use those, you know, through a space of three months. Yeah. You know, so, and that was extremely useful. And that's oh, something yeah. I haven't done you know, since I've been back to Canada, but I want to do because I know it's so much easier because then you can plan ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say, okay, like now I got a picture of strength training, running, coaching, and then you can kind of like plan your week for yeah. your social media, yeah. right? Because for me, it's my biggest marketing tool. Like mm-hmm. I don't have a website. Um, I don't have signs. Like I, I barely have like business card, you know? Like yeah. if people wants to get in touch with me, I'm like, well, just go on my Instagram, you know, write me on my Instagram and, you know, we'll go from there. And usually we'll get through emails and then, yeah. So that's my main marketing tool, basically. So with like those photo shoots, like that's super interesting because my last, the last podcast I had, did the exact same thing. Okay. He'd go out, he'd he'd get someone to do a photo shoot and they'd take like a bunch of pictures and then he's got content for a while. Yep. Um, One point he brought up was, he would change his outfit. Like he would bring like a yes. tub of clothes. Is it, did you do the Absolutely. same thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. It's like, yeah, you bring, yeah, five, six different outfit. And, you know, usually a good photographer will get like different different scenery and yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's, that's massive. Yeah. Massive. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely a must. Because for me, like when I train, like... I consider myself a serious athlete, so I don't want to stop middle of my run taking a picture. Yeah, you know, because like I'm training, like I'm I'm focusing on my training. Like last thing on my mind is to take a good picture. You know what I mean? Or like when I'm coaching, or you know, it's so it's difficult. It's yeah. very difficult. So it's doable, and I do it once in a while. But so much easier if you kind of like sacrifice, you know, a day or two just to get those pictures. You know, yeah. like. You know, you don't have to be putting like, you know, makeup and this and that. It yeah. just has to stay raw, you yeah. know? It's me going out for a run, but I have this photographer like following me, yeah. you know? Or it's me in the gym working out. You know, I work out like I usually do, and it's up to you to get the good angles and all that kind of stuff. So I want to keep it raw, you yeah. know? So, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a must. Yeah. For sure. So when you were like planning it, did you have, did you like sit down and like plan your week for what photos you're going to post or did you kind of just kind of like 
looked, okay, I did this yesterday. Like, I did a workout pick yesterday, so I should probably do a run pick today. Or was, like, planned, like, a week in yeah, advance? Yeah, so I would briefly plan it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just get it inspired by different things as, you know, your day or your week goes on. Yeah. So that's kind of, like, how I would see it. Yeah. Like, I had an idea which picture I wanted to put, but then, you know, something would pop in and you get inspired by something or someone. It's like, oh, I want to talk about this, yeah. you know? So I kind of like had, okay, yeah, Tuesday, I'm going to do coaching. Then yeah. Wednesday, I'm going to do strength training. Then Thursday, I'm going to do running. And then, you know, Friday, it's going to be just a, a light running shot just keep it short you know so i had an idea but then the morning i would sit down it would be okay like what am i writing about today yeah you know so yeah i would take some time because for me it was like i'm self-employed so it was part of my working hours is take an hour you know trying to come up with a good post and you know yeah yeah so so when you you said you said, so though you it was like last year you started doing the post a week then yeah or was it in Australia still when you were doing that or was it kind of when you came so, back so I would say beginning of last year yeah I was more into it okay yeah and then to be honest since I've came back to Canada I haven't been that consistent yeah and I could see it like in my followers it's not going up as, you know as quick yeah right but I I know you know if it's something I go back to I can kind of like regrow it and for sure like my different opportunities like working with such a big brand with nike yeah that kind of probably had a good impact you know because sometime at our run clubs we had like at the beginning we had up to 200 peoples yeah you know like at each session so it was ridiculous so you get a lot more exposure that way as well that's true yeah so when did you really see like how long were you posting once a day before you really started to see that you kind of that trend upwards um so for me it kind of took i would say three to four months okay yeah three to four months um and then i kind of like saw it was coming up pretty yeah more quick more consistently yeah 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 but you you also had like your niche to find like you knew what you were posting basically yes. that probably helped a lot too absolutely like you gotta and that's what i always say like for for instagram or marketing or even as a coach or a personal trainer like you need a niche yeah like you definitely need a niche like people follow me because i'm i'm the the running coach yeah. or you know the ultra marathon guy you know like that's that's what they follow me for like and as a as a trainer as a coach you know i specialize in training endurance athletes you know then that's what i always say in people that you know are starting in coaching or starting in personal training it's you know you got to find your niche you got to you know okay you're the specialist in this you know or or in that then your social media has to kind of like mirror that yeah you know in some perspective yeah so and yeah for me it helps because i i basically i practice what i preach Mm -hmm. so you know yeah i'm the running coach but i run a shitload as well so (laughs) you know and people see that through my social media so they they kind of like for me i want to show that to them because like sometimes i get a lot like oh man like this guy runs a lot like and i want to do my first 50k while you know he obviously coach and he's yeah. coached a lot of ultra runners, but he's been there, done that himself. So, and yeah. for me, that's that speaks a lot. Even if I hire myself a coach, you know, I want to know like 
he's been there he's done that he's hurt you know he's been through the process you know like that's that's really important to me you know like it's not all about knowledge it's experience you know he, he lived it right yeah. so that's that's yeah that's very important for sure yeah and that, cause that also just like reflects on like when you talk about with the pictures you're making like raw and real like yep you're practicing what you're preaching but you're also like showing you're not hiding anything with it like it's just yep you're what you see is what you get basically exactly and that's like probably you saw it on my instagram like sometime i'll post like a picture of, of a beer or you yeah. know like because I, yeah that's that's who I am. Like, yeah. yeah, I train hard, but I like to have a couple beers here and there. And people relate to that. Yeah. Like, if you always post, you know, about something perfect all the time, like, people are going to say, yeah, you know, like, this guy is too perfect. Like, it's it's not real, you yeah. know? Then when they really get to know you through that social media, like, that's, that's how can people relate to you even more. Mm-hmm. Like, in my perspective, that's what I think. Yeah. yeah. And you were talking about like you're not growing as much now because you're not posting like every day like you yeah. used to. But I mean, you're still growing because when I, I took my notes probably about a month and a half ago and yep. you're like 12 and a half. Okay. So you're up like 500 and just over a month. So yeah, so still, that's still pretty you're good. You're still growing. Yeah. And yeah. so like I always wonder with people with like a sizable following, mm-hmm. what does your like DMs look like? Do you get a lot of people like me just hopping in your DMs, like buying your message, asking for different things? Or? Um, yeah, like that's what I always say. Like... You know, if people contact me through Instagram, I'll always, you know, I'll try to get back to them, but then get back to them. Certainly for a business perspective, I'll give them my email and I'll say, get in touch with me on my work email. Because, yeah, you kind of like get lost. You know, it's it's so difficult. And that kind of like fits in in like my hour a day of social media. Like it's to get back to everyone because... You know, it's it's important, you know, so I try my best to get back to everyone. But then, you know, if I know it's going to be, you know, an ongoing conversation or yeah. a business conversation, then I'll, I'll basically send my email or my phone number. So that way we can get in touch that way, because that's something I'll, you know, never get lost in. Because, yeah, you you can get lost, you know, in in all those messages for oh, sure yeah absolutely yeah so, and did you just say you only go on social media like one hour a day then like oh uh, no like i'll I'm, I'm victim of it i'll go more yeah but you know i'll go more just to see what's going on uh but for you know post wise or research things um but not for the fun of it um you know i try to do at least an hour oh, it's like an hour of like business social yeah business stuff. so either built the story you know yeah. or built the post or you know research you know like you know people that kind of like do what i do you know and you know see what kind of followers do they have and all that kind of stuff so yeah that's pretty yeah. important as well i like that you called it building a post because it's not just something you throw like it, it yeah. takes time like it's not just something like a lot of people think of social media they think it's just like two seconds and it's done yeah like when you have that many followers like building it you actually have to like build the yep. actual post I yep. like that definitely definitely and like my first language is French and I do all my social media in English and mm-hmm. for me writing it's not that easy yeah. so you know to write like you know a, a solid post like it takes me a while yeah. right like it's, it doesn't come easy to me um, so yeah it is time consuming yeah. it is time consuming but for me it's important absolutely because yeah. again that's my that's my main source of marketing uh, for my business and me as an athlete. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, so in that build, like, do you edit your pictures a certain way every time, or do you just kind of like play with the sliders, see what looks good, and go with it? Yeah. Or? So I'll I'll edit it. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty picky with that kind of stuff. I'm somehow of a perfectionist, you know, in many aspects of my life. So yeah, I'm pretty picky with that. Do you find like a certain time of day work? I'm always interested as like. Oh uh, yeah. Well, at first yes, but now it's tricky because I got a lot of followers from Australia, True. and then the United States and Canada. Yeah. And then I got a few from Europe. So it's kind of like for me, because I live in Australia and I built, you know, a lot of my followers while I was there. And now I know I got a lot of United States and Canada followers as well. So which is like completely different time mm -hmm. zone. So I don't pay as much attention anymore, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because like with my personal social media, I've like because I lived in Manitoba. Yep. So it, it's like one hour, and I'm trying to like is seven thirty good here, but then six thirty there people are eating. Yeah. I can't even imagine doing it like other side of the world, like completely different <laughs> times. Like, but the year I was consistent. Yeah, yeah, I was very. I was timing was was yeah. everything definitely. You know, in the morning when you know people are checking their yeah. social media, definitely that would I would pay attention a lot to that. Yeah, yeah but not anymore because I just don't know yeah. because like to figure out Australia and then Canada is like ah, you know yeah. what? Yeah, in the morning, eh? Like posting yeah, in the morning. Yeah, well, because a lot of people like yeah. first thing they do in the morning. No, it, for sure. They check their social media. Yeah. You know, like five, ten minutes before getting out of bed. Yeah. And I found like that was one that worked quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's awesome. And yeah, I know for myself, absolutely. Like, you know, now because my girlfriend lives in Australia, you know, I wake up by myself and I was like, oh, let's check what's going on in the world. Like, I don't have TV or whatever. So yeah. like for me, like social media, it's cool because I like it because... I follow people like I'm interested in, yeah. you know, interested in what they do and all that. So, you know, it's good news, mm -hmm. you know, most of the time. So I rather check what's going on in their world and all that than, you know, what happened in freaking, I don't know, somewhere I don't even know, you know, and yeah. there's war and all that. Because I'm, I'm all about, you know, keeping things as positive as I can. Yeah, so I know, for sure. the people I follow, it's they kind of like... You know, they, I can feed off them basically. Yeah. 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 So, That's awesome. yeah. So is there any like helpful like apps or like websites you use when you're like either managing or like building your posts and stuff? Like I know one I use is like UNUM and you can like see when you have a new picture, you can see what it looks like in your feed before you post it kind oh, of thing. Oh man. No. Yeah. I never. Nothing just all in Instagram. Uh, I'm trying to remember from the past. I've used anything yeah not really I'm not like I said I'm not very tech yeah savvy so yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's cool though like, um yeah I've never really like all I use you know in terms of pictures and all that is all Instagram the filters and everything yeah yeah that's awesome though like, but yeah I'm sure there's there's many greater ways out there oh, yeah. and i'm always willing to learn for sure but, i mean what works for you works for you yeah right? definitely so, definitely yeah absolutely so yeah yeah and outside of like so nike and lululemon is there any other brands you've worked with that have like seen your social media and like hey like maybe sponsored post or anything like that um so there's always like yeah like right now i'm working uh with cielly so that uh 
hat company. I was going to ask about the hat. I've never seen a hat like that before. Yeah, so that's uh, some some guys in Montreal, they started those running hats. And yeah. the, all they specialize is running hats. Okay. And man, they, they're big now. Like yeah. they're, they, you know, they're in Australia, Japan, like you name it. And yeah, uh, yeah for example, we got kind of like a partnership. Yeah. So I just, you know, they send me a few hats here and there and I get to wear their sweet hats yeah and um i just post you know a few posts on social media here and there and then same thing um i was doing an adventure race i did a 24-hour adventure race so that's basically mountain bike trail running trekking and paddling yeah and but i didn't have a mountain bike i'm like oh my god i'm racing in four weeks i need to get a mountain bike so i just on my instagram story i'm like looking for a mountain bike uh anyone can help and then i tag all the bike shops yeah in ottawa and then eurosports uh this sweet little bike shop just off parkdale got in touch with me he's like hey matt maybe we can work some some kind of a partnership together yeah. i'm like let's talk i'm like cool yeah for sure so we kind of like worked out a partnership together and he you know i got a sweet bike out of them you know not for free but yeah you know discounted and you know i had to do a so uh give them a little bit of social media exposure and all that and you know it's the best of both world basically yeah. so yeah little gigs like that which has been pretty sweet yeah for sure uh in my line of work um so yeah like recently that's since i've been back to canada that's kind of like the gigs I've had, yeah. yeah. So I, th- I think you you touched on earlier that Instagram's like your only platform, really. Yeah. Well, I do have Facebook. Yeah. Um, but I think Facebook, I got twenty five hundred friends. Okay. Which is all right. Yeah. Um, but I I kind of find Facebook it's more uh, people that knows me really really well. Yeah. You know, or we had like we had a, a connection yeah. before. You know, it's um. Yeah, so I do use Facebook, uh, but not as much as Instagram, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say Instagram is kind of like the one I'm trying to be more and more consistent. But I used to use Facebook because I got a lot of buddies, you know, in 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 Canada yeah. that don't have Instagram, yeah. believe it or not, you okay. know, and my family as well. They don't really have Instagram. So it was a way for them to stay in touch of what I was doing, you know, yeah. through Facebook. So everything I would post on Instagram, I would just kind of like share it on my Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And like Twitter, not at all. Eh? Twitter, not at all, to no. be honest. I do have a Twitter account, but I don't use it. Yeah. And yeah, I haven't been on. I just, for me, it was like I said, like I'm someone that needs to focus on one thing and do it well. So that's why when I told myself, okay, Histogram, it's kind of like what's going, like what's big in yeah. my perspective, what's what's popular right now. So I'm just going to focus on that. Um, and then I used to, yeah, just share whatever I share on my Instagram on Twitter and Facebook. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But Instagram was kind of like the main one. Yeah. And then you don't really do much YouTube either, eh? No, no, no. Um, and I, you know what? Like, I've got approach, and I've I've tried, yeah. um, but again, it's just another thing. And and as I'm not, it comes to a point for me, like business wise, I'm busy enough, right? Yeah. Uh, just doing what I do on Instagram. Like right now, you know, I'm basically basically full. You know, I yeah. got a full. 
full roster in terms of athletes. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm living a pretty good life. So it's always to a point like how big you want to get, yeah. right? So for sure, I could do YouTube and all that. But in my head is like, well, why would I want to build the bigger audience if I'm already busy enough, right? That's so true. it's kind of like... For me, it, it was it kind of came to that point, right? Yeah. So I don't mind still building my Instagram because I want to keep that fresh, and I know like I got a good attraction to that. But why start, you know, other platform when that one is working so well now? Yeah. But I wouldn't say never, never. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's it, they're all great tools. Yeah. Um, but it's just right now, yeah, it's not in my focus. So I have one other thing about YouTube. Yep. So I- Found, I actually found your YouTube. Yes. And there's actually like an epic video on there that you made probably yes. like six years ago. Yes, What's six, seven story? years ago. It's like you're kind of just like going through your day basically as a, yeah. a long-distance runner. So, yeah, at first I've used YouTube in the past. That yeah. Yep. So when I first started my business, uh, I was 25 years old. So my cousin was like... You know, he was pretty good, you know, tech-wise and all that. Now he's, like, working in Vancouver somewhere. Like, that's what he does for a living. Yeah. You know, but he was kind of practicing on me. And we made a video of my first 100 miles. If you check on YouTube and type my name, you'll probably found it. And then we did kind of, like, a promotion a video of like who it was yeah basically i think it was like a three or four minute video and um that was kind of like my promotional video back then and yeah i think it worked quite well which you know i i wouldn't mind uh doing more of that yeah um but for here, when I came back, I knew Instagram. I had a lot of followers. So my cousin came in January or February, and we did some shooting in the gym. And we did some short little 30, 60-second promotional video for my business here. Because uh, when I started my bit, ramp up my business here in February, I'm like, man, I need some advertising stuff and all that so we did those and that worked quite well so i just kind of like posted on instagram my stories and then poof it kind of like blew up and then yeah i was i was busy again but yeah youtube yeah i've used it in the past and it worked quite well do you think it kind of like move maybe not youtube like instagram tv like is that something you're looking at at all or oh perhaps yeah perhaps like i really enjoy it yeah i really enjoy it but like i said i'm not I'm not very technical. That's that's my only downfall. So, but you know, when I learn something, I want to learn it well. So, yeah. you know, it might be something that I'll get in the future for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So then I just wanted to move kind of away from social media now. Yep. Back to coaching. So kind of like your coaching style, because you kind of say like um, you're not like strict, strict, strict. You'll have like a beer like yep. on the weekend or whatever. It's so like how would you kind of describe your coaching style then? Yeah. So for me, it's all about balance, right? So and that's what I say to all my athletes, and that's what I try to preach as well. So coaching style is I try to adjust. Yeah. You know, like because most people I coach they're not professionals, so you know they got they got a life outside of training. You yeah. know, they got work, they got a family, they got stuff going on. So for me. I don't have a, a particular style. I try to adjust to every athlete's because yeah. every athlete needs to be responded differently. Yeah. So I always say to, to be able to adjust to your athlete is very, very important as a coach. Um, so, for example, like I'll, I'll give them, you know, the perfect workout. So what I usually do, it's basically, okay, like tell me exactly what you do in a typical week. 
yeah. you know, what you've been doing, and then I'll try to monitor their their training around that, mm-hmm. right? And then I'll say, okay, in the perfect world, if you're able to do all of this, that's frigging phenomenal, yeah. right? But in my head, I won't say them right off the bat. You know, I'll say if they're able to do 80% of that, that's pretty sweet. She's probably going to, or he's going to probably attain their goals, right? So that's kind of like how I am. And I always say, like, be good. Like, trying to smash, you know, 80% of the time, be good, eat good, you know, and then 20% enjoy yourself, yeah. you know? Like, still go out with your your boys, have a few beers, chicken wings, or your girlfriends, you know, have a wine, or, you know, that's that's cool. Because that's, if that's what you like doing, keep doing that, yeah. right? Um, but I'll be honest with them. I'm like, okay, if you want to lose 10 pounds or run a little bit quicker, we'll need to do this, this, and that. We need to do a few sacrifices, but you're not going to have to cut everything off, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to be understandable, right? Yeah. So, yeah, to be adapt- adaptable, understandable, I think it's very, very important as a coach. And that's what I try to do with most of my athletes. Yeah. Yeah. So for that 80%, what's like nutrition and stuff look like for that? Yeah, like, depends on who you are, I always say, and it depends on what you like. Um, You know, I got some athletes there, you know, in the high fat, you know, high protein, low carbs kind of diet, you know. Um, I'm a carb burning machine. I freaking love carbs. Like, so I'll never do a high fat, high protein because I I freaking love carbs. I love bread. And man, like, I exercise you know, 10, 15 hours a week. So, you know, I can eat as many carbs as I want. I won't gain weight. Yeah. You know, so if I want to eat a bagel with cream cheese in the morning, I'll do it. You know, (laughs) so, um, so, but it's to be like, for, for me, what I say is like, be good, whatever works for you, be good 80% of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, eat your vegetable, eat your fruits, you know, eat a good amount of protein, good fats, like be healthy 80% of the time. And then 20% of the time, Man, like, treat yourself, you know, have that pepperoni and cheese pizza, you know, have that Coca-Cola that you love so much that you probably drank every day, but now you're drinking it once a week, you know what I mean? So that's the 20%, you know, it's to kind of like, it's a reward, like you've trained hard all week. Well, yeah, have your freaking medium pizza and your two liters of Coke, you know, like, I don't care. You've yeah. worked hard all day, uh, all week, and you've trained hard. So who cares? Celebrate. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So that's kind of like the 80-20 that I always try to preach and I always try to, you know, tell my athletes because most of the time people will try that 100% approach. Unless you're a pro athlete, you'll do it for a few weeks and then you'll freaking crash yeah at some unless you're like part of that you know very minimal percentage that they can be bang 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 for the rest of their life but that's very very rare yeah Yeah. so for me the 80 20 percent rule is very important so for like goal setting and like reaching your goals is that 80 20 one of your biggest things do you have other like tactics you use because like i figured that's easier to attain something when you're like you don't have to be perfect when you're getting there yeah but yeah so that's in terms of goal setting that's yeah that's one of the big thing i kind of say to all my athletes right off the bat yeah um and then it's to be consistent consistent and patient you know because a lot of people want some results now Mm -hmm. but depending on your goal i'll be i'll always be honest with them you know um consistency i think is key 
Like, you can't train freaking hard for a week and then take two weeks off and then expect to run a marathon in 10 weeks, you know? Like, you just got to chip at it day after day, you know? Day after day. And so consistency and patience is always the two biggest things I preach and try to teach to all my athletes. So if you're able to be consistent in your own personal way with your training and have a little bit of patience you'll most of the time you'll be successful like it's it's not rocket science like training like if you're moving you know five six times a week you know for for half an hour to an hour you'll get in better shape you know it's whatever you're doing if you're moving 30 to 60 minutes five to six times a week you'll get in better shape you know so but that's consistency right yeah. so that's for me it's that's the number one thing yeah, yeah. and then one other thing i've seen you post different places is we're all born runners yeah it's like what does that mean what does yeah that mean so you? for me like basically if if you got a body you can run yeah like because you know there's i believe that the human body was designed to run the the way like way 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 back in the days like we basically had to outrun our food um but it's just our lifestyle now that kind of like screws up yeah um so if someone if if you never really ran before and you're like matt i want to run marathon can do you think i can do it i'm like for sure you can do it yeah Mm, absolutely you know but we got to check you know what you've done in the past and then what's your weaknesses and because like maybe you've been sitting at a desk for the last 15 years you know so you got freaking tight hip flexors your glutes are not activating so i think yeah the body is perfectly designed to run it's just a matter of you know getting it there again right because when everyone when they were well not everyone but most people when they were born yeah they were running all the time when they were kids right yeah but it's just a matter of lifestyle that kind of screws up basically so that's why anyone that approached me is like, Matt, I want to run a half marathon. Yeah, you can do it. I want to run a hundred K, you know? Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. Sometime, like if they say, I want to run a hundred K, I've never ran, but can I do it in 10 weeks? I'm like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it might be possible, but yeah, I don't recommend it, you yeah. know? So I'll, yeah. I'll, I always have to be honest in that perspective, but I'll never be the one saying, no, you can't do it because yeah, I truly believe anyone can run yeah. it. And so kind of on that, to that effect, your dad, cause you talked about earlier, he beat cancer Yep. and then he ran the Boston marathon after, right? Yeah. 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 So my dad basically, he got into running again. Like he was really good shape and then he had three boys yeah. that was, you know, highly active and into everything. So, you know, I've put on, I think it was like 20 to 30 pounds. So, but when we all left, when he was 52, his dad died when he was 52 from an heart attack. So he was like, oh man, like I got to put my, you know, my life together and get healthy again. So he basically started to train with me where I used to work and then put him like a little running program and he could barely run 15 minutes. And then three months later, he ran his first marathon at 55 years old. And he ran a sub four sub four marathon, awesome. which he was 55. So it's pretty good time for his first marathon. Yeah. So we did it together, the Ottawa Marathon. And then basically the year after that, 
we did the 5k at the Ottawa race weekend so exactly a year and he could barely run 5k and I'm like dad man like there's something wrong like you were running a marathon quicker than your 5k like you gotta you know go see the doctors and figure out what's going on and then yeah he pushed and pushed and basically two to three months later he was diagnosed with blood cancer pretty like no it's all good like it was pretty severe but running saved him basically because he was so in tune with his body instead of being like your typical 50 year old man saying i'm getting old you know i'm getting fatigued like my dad was like no like this is not normal right because i was running a marathon last year and now i can barely run 5k they they found his cancer just in time uh, so it was treatable yeah so he went like about six months of you know treatment chemotherapy and all that kind of stuff and then it was kind of like he was on the comeback so yeah. Trained him for another three three years, I would say. Yeah. And uh, he ran the Ottawa Marathon again. So that was his second marathon. And it's like, for him, it was just a way to prove, like, even if I had cancer, like a pretty severe blood cancer, like, I'm going to prove to myself I'm even stronger. And yeah, he ran the personal best. So he's beat his previous time before cancer. And he was a bit older as well. Um, so for him, that was remarkable. So he, he ran his Boston qualifier on his second, uh, ever marathon. And that was his comeback marathon as well. So he did Boston this year. Good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. So a pretty, pretty cool story. And like, he's an inspiration for me because it just goes to show, like, even if you go to rock bottom, you know, you're able to come back even stronger. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of like my dad and little story, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So there's one, before we get into like some like wrap up rapid fire questions, one yep. other thing I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. You had a pretty sweet mustache going for a little while. Yeah. What, yep. What was the story behind that? Well, I don't know. Like, when did it start? So with the Nike thing, we were just a few guys that had a mustache. And it just became a thing, you know. And, you know, I had this mustache. I basically almost had a mullet, you know. So it was just kind of like a style. And then we did, like, a big charity event for Movember. Yeah. Because uh, a good buddy of mine in Australia, he works for Movember. Um, so that kind of, like, probably had an impact as well. So yeah. we were just a few boys uh, on the Nike crew that was, like, supporting the mustache, yeah. which was pretty sweet. And I really enjoyed my mustache. Uh, it's just now my girlfriend at the moment hates it. Yeah. But I'm like, <laughs> I met her with the biggest mo and, like, basically a mullet. So I'm like, hey. Yeah. You basically fell in love <laughs> when I had a mo. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, let me bring it back. So it's coming back in September. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely gonna bring it back from November and all that. It was hard. It was hard to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can so it, was a, it was a lot of work and I really yeah, I really enjoyed it. All right, so we're kinda of just like getting like some like rapid fire questions yep. kinda. Of, so like don't have to dive if you want to dive deep, you totally can. Cool. You don't have to. But so first one is like your favorite app. Uh quickly like that. You you can go longer if you want to. Like, I would say oh I can't remember the specific name. I know where you take a look. I'll just uh, take a look, because again I don't have a TV, mm-hmm. so for me to just kind of catch up what's going on in the sport world. Yeah. Uh, the score. Oh yeah. The score. Yeah. Uh, that like I just think it's a good overall sport app. 
Yeah. You know, I so I can check, oh, did the Blue Jay win or did the Red Blacks won or, you know, so it's, yeah, yeah. the score. That's awesome. Um, okay, next one is like, I guess probably not uh, the best question because you don't have a TV, but is there anything you're binging? Like, do you watch Netflix? Oh, I, yeah, so I have a laptop, so I do watch Netflix. Um, I change from series to series, yeah. So right now, what have I been uh, watching? It was, um, oh man, terrible with titles, but it was, uh, it's a one-word title. But it's kind of like a guy that um, he takes those pills and he can use like basically Limitless. all his brains. Yes, yeah unbelievable so yeah. i just finished the series this weekend yeah yeah so that was uh that's what i've been watching yeah. you recommend it though yeah definitely yeah. it's it's pretty cool like it makes you realize like you know like we we don't use our full potential all the time so yeah i thought it was pretty good pretty good funny at the time and it's kind of like a crime scene you know yeah yeah. I like it. Because this next one take, needs a little bit of like explanation. So the question is, what are you obsessed with? But it's not like on like a high level. Like, yeah. uh, like I'm obsessed with ultra marathons, but it could be something like, I'm obsessed with this one pair of socks I have. They're just so comfy. Like something off the wall random that you're yeah. like, obsessed with. Uh, so for me, like I'm not a big material kind of guy, yeah. um, but like I do have a lot of sport apparel, like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really important to me but i would say what i'm obsessed with are probably my newest yeah road shoes yeah um yeah it's the nike um it's one of the new nike shoes um they're very comfortable and like i only use them to race basically nike flies nike flies so that's like something like they're always in the same spot in my room you know i only wear them for races so that's yeah that's kind of like somewhat my babies yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. any like hidden gems or like must eat spots in ottawa oh like i haven't been out that much since i've been in ottawa like i always go to my buddy luke he owns a sport bar uh, that's a guy that came to Chamonix with me and like yeah. the cancer survivor as well. So um, he's uh, he owns the St. Louis St. Louis Bar and Grill on Elgin. Okay. So yeah, I'm always there on the patio. Certainly summertime, it's great because they got this big patio, tiki bar, like good vibes. And then even wintertime, like it's nice and cozy to watch like Ottawa Senators game or the NFL there. It's yeah. pretty sweet. So yeah. that's kind of like always my go-to, basically yeah. the St. Louis Bar and Grill on Elgin Street. Nice. Yeah. Um, quick, just advice for someone that wants to get into running. Yeah, I would just start easy. Yeah. You know, start easy and be patient. That's that's always the biggest thing, you know, like and give yourself some time. Yeah. So, again, consistency and patience, like we we start uh, like I mentioned earlier on, that's that's your two biggest weapon, you know? Like if you start running, if you just start, you know, with could be a five to ten minute jog super easy jog that you do three times a week for the next three weeks yeah that's awesome and then just add on to that so if you're consistent and patient you'll be successful awesome all right last one yep before like wrap up what's one thing you want people to know about you it could be anything well uh, yeah again well, one one special thing eh? yeah, it was kind of a tough one yeah <laughs> no i like it i like it um i'm a twin oh cool so you can't really see that on my social media yeah because he's not on social media okay which is like 
crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got, we're not identical, but like if you would see him on the street tomorrow, you would probably think it's me. Okay. We're very, very alike. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of crazy, but he's not on Facebook or Instagram and all that. So that's why I basically have no picture of him yeah. on my social media. But yeah, I'm a twin and we're, we're basically best buddies. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to give you the floor. Anything you want? Like, where can people find you? Any, like, yeah. So, basically, like I said, Instagram, uh, that's the best way to find me at my full name, Mathieu Doré Run. Um, and then, yeah, right now I'm in Ottawa. Um, I've been, I was in Australia and Melbourne for about four years, but I've been in Ottawa for the last few months and I'm here for a little while. Um, so I worked at of uh, LBR Training. That's the little studio I worked at. It's just yeah. on Main Street. Uh, but yeah, the best way is yeah. If you if you connect with me on Instagram, usually I'm pretty good at getting back to you in two to three days. Um, and then yeah, we connect via email and yeah, we rock rock and roll from there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show. No, thank you, man. That was great. That yeah. was great. And uh, I feel honored to be uh, one of your first guests. So. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're the first guest that I didn't know before the show. Yes. So, like, my first, the first episode was with my buddy. Yep. So, you're the first guy I didn't know prior to the show. Cool, man. Yeah, well, man. no, this is sweet. This is sweet. Well, you know a lot more about me now. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did a lot of creeping <laughs> yeah, before no, I this. Love it. But, I love yeah. it. No, that's awesome, man. And uh, all the best as well. And Thank you. Um, no, it's pretty cool it was it was it's always great just to have a chit chat with someone and that was that was that was awesome i really enjoyed it cool Cool. awesome thank you and i just want to thank everyone for listening to this episode make sure you subscribe and check out matt's here on instagram again it's matia.a run and you can find me at at the jacob kelly on instagram and twitter thank you once again we'll talk soon awesome Thank you once again for listening to my social life, especially if you've listened the entire way through. I really, really appreciate it. That means a lot to me. Make sure you go and follow Mathieu on Instagram at at Run. He's a great guy and he posts some awesome content, especially if you're into health, wellness, fitness, running. Like He's got some really good stuff on there. And even if you're not into those things, I still recommend you check him out. He's a good follow. I will make sure I link to his handle in the show notes down below. And if you wish to follow me, you totally can. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at at the Jacob Kelly. And if there's anyone you want me to have on the show, make sure you let me know. You can tweet it at me, DM me. And even if you're watching on YouTube, let me know in the comment section down below. I will do my best to respond to everyone. Thank you once again for listening to my social life with Jacob Kelly. We'll talk soon.